The what? Yeah. I don't think anybody can understand I'm you sure right now. No, what are you saying? I'm sure I tried them. They were delicious. What? what? <laughs> he said he tried them. They were delicious. They're not what? What am I talking about? I didn't explain. <laughs> what is happening? What things? <laughs> what did I eat? So. <laughs> What are you feeding me? Where? I don't. I didn't eat nothing. We're in the fortress. We can't see anything. All right. Welcome back to the Why Do I Talk to You podcast. I am, I think I'm still, for some reason, Saul Starsheep 4. And I am definitely still Dave Gamer Dave Naple. Oh, good. He's no sure need, about it. No need to change this gamer tag. <sighs> Top tier. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. I can't change it now. I mean, I've had yeah, it for years. Like, yeah. Well, like, really, it was when you started this podcast. I mean, I've had, I've changed my gamer tag a couple times. You were a ninja trainer, right? That's yeah, what you are? for a while. That was like the old school, like, Nintendo forums screen name yeah. yeah yeah and then uh i actually don't use this gamer tag in the smash scene i use a different one what do you use i use napalm N-A-P-L-M. oh yeah that's, that's pretty cool that yeah i felt it was shorter in a bit i don't know it also meant that if i went there and just sucked no one would be able to find me as gamer dave so, <laughs> which is kind of what wound up happening but and yeah that was a that was a name that a, a church friend gave me no so I just uh, that's pretty it. cool it was cool yeah i think i'm just too i'm too deep into this starship fourth thing yeah i've had a gmail account of the oh geez <laughs> they already do you said this already <laughs> this isn't anything new <laughs> whatever anyways yeah i've had it for years and I mean, every everything I have is like Starsheet Four. Yeah. Anyways, it's too late. I, I think I wouldn't even remember it if I. Did. Anyways, so welcome back. Thank you guys for <laughs> holding on. You know, on a personal note, at least just for me, you know, if you've been followed, this is our eighth episode, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. If you've been following along this whole time, just thank you from what a champ. from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate it, and hopefully, this means that you're not just paying us pity views, but that you're also just like actually enjoying at least some of what we have to say. Yeah. Um, these last couple of weeks, by the time you are you are going to be listening to this, I mean these past couple of weeks have been pretty trying uh, for Dave and I, just on a on a personal note, not about this, but just our our work lives, and so yeah, it, this this is really this this is awesome that we can just do this yep. and that and that people will also enjoy it as well. So so thanks for listening. Hope you guys continue on. Yeah. So if you haven't really guessed or inferred or just like known by now <laughs> didn't read the title or didn't read the That's title well i'm thing. not talking strictly about the title but uh, okay. like a, a lot of uh our gaming history like growing up revolves around rpgs yeah uh, i mean you know rpgs you know is, is is maybe not our favorite type of game but it's one of our favorite types of games and I mean, because RPGs back in the day took up so much of our life, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, specifically JRPGs. So there's a lot of those that we're going to want to cover. Western RPGs were like hardly even a thing when we were growing up. Right. I, like, I cannot even think of, like, I guess Bethesda was doing their really early stuff then. But, like, I don't know. I mean, you know? yeah. It wasn't, that wasn't where I was. I mean, I was a Nintendo guy, so definitely not on that, but... 
I think Legend of Dragoon was Western. No, that no? was super Japanese. Well, I mean, the style was <laughs> super Japanese, but um, okay. And anyways, um, yeah, okay. I looked at the wiki right now. There's a whole bunch of Japanese characters <laughs> next to it. Regido Obu Dragon. Dragon. Very, very Western. Oh. I'm not. I'm not being racist. That's what it says here. Obu Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> what else would it be? Okay. Um. Anyways, so um, a lot of those obviously involve Final Fantasy. Um, we also already talked about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga already on this show. We talked about Undertale. Those are two RPGs, but Pokemon, n- Pokemon. Uh, yes, of course. But now we're going to go back even, well, I guess around the same time, but around, you know, the, the grand masters of RPG dumb, mm-hmm. which would be Final Fantasy and specifically Final Fantasy 10. Um, you know, this is one of the few games that I've played that Dave didn't when I met him. Yeah, um, well, all those games pretty much revolve around the PlayStation. At the time we oh, met, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if I'd played any of the PlayStation games you had played. Did you play any PlayStation games? Um, Did you have access to one? Yeah, I had a PlayStation for a very short time, but it was it was pretty much exclusively a Monster Rancher 2 machine, <laughs> which is one of the weirdest things you could probably ever say. But I played the snot <laughs> out of Monster. I wanted it specifically for that game because I had friends who had it. And it yeah, wasn't I think nobody like nobody has ever said that before. They wanted the PlayStation <laughs> just for Monster Rancher. It wasn't like a Pokemon knockoff per se. I don't I don't remember exactly when the original one came out com- like in comparison to Pokemon, but the way that you play it was very different. Very very different. Uh if you've never played it before, Space Hamster actually does a pretty good overview of the game. Um he does a fun little video on it. And that was just that was the game I wanted on my PlayStation. And other than that, I played Crash Team Racing and the Crash Bandicoot Mario Party knockoff. Oh, uh, Crash Bash. Yeah, Crash Bash. <laughs> and uh, a couple other really weird sort of niche RPGs. Threads of Fate, if anyone out there has ever heard of that game. Not me. Was, was another game that I played on there when I borrowed it from a friend. So that was pretty much all my PlayStation 1 experience right there. So I was while I was over there with the PlayStation 1 going into 2, Dave was over wherever the heck he was with the N64 playing and the Smash GameCube. Bros. Playing Smash Bros. <laughs> Basically. Um, so I got my big introduction to RPGs. I mean, you know, if you don't count Pokemon, which is pretty much the only RPG I played up until then, through Final Fantasy, specifically Final Fantasy VIII. Um, although I did know what Final Fantasy was, but I had no idea about... I didn't even know about Seven, to be honest with you, when I first got it. So anyways, uh, moving onwards, we'll talk about Final Fantasy VIII in another day. That's a very polarizing game. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, however, it was like my first one, so I'm very nostalgic you got those rose colored glasses yeah i know anyways um moving on to final fantasy 10 though um final fantasy 10 was the first final fantasy released on the ps2 and there were, i remember at that time i was subscribed to official playstation magazine and they were making a gigantic fuss about it yeah, um well. you know releasing new shots whenever they came out talking just talking the game up a whole lot titus the main character made like the cover of of uh like the second cover i think after the ps2 launched or something like that um it released relatively early i think in the ps2's lifetime i was gonna ask if it was a launch title i don't know launch title but it was like really soon after okay um 
and uh, and uh, but I didn't pick it up until until it was labeled the greatest hits uh, uh, game. Uh, get that discount. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's not why, but I mean that's just what happened. Yeah, I'm um, sure it didn't take very long for it to get that status. I I don't really know about that. Yeah. So well, I mean I know like for Final Fantasy VII, like the black label copies of the game are specifically like very rare and worth a lot because of how quickly it hit greatest hits status and how everything else was a green label greatest hits thing. So. It's so weird that that's like a collector's item. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of get it. I remember being really angry because a lot of my Spyro games are greatest hits and not black label. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, no, why do you look so different? I don't want to be different. So you're actually probably more similar to most people. You're, you're trying to be different if you want the black label. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so maybe a little bit of just backstory on this, I guess. Although there's not really too much to say. Well, I mean, you didn't. This was this was pretty. This was the second Final Fantasy game you played, right? Well, I'm talking mostly about like the the history of Final Fantasy X oh, okay. itself, I guess. Sure. Although there's not a whole lot to say. The previous game, Final Fantasy IX, um, is revered as one of the best um, all around, including. <laughs> According to Pro ZD, Hironobu Sakaguchi himself. Yep. Um, no, it's true. A lot of people. So the thing with Final Fantasy IX is I don't know if they like expected it to be the last one. Like, there's a lot of times where they like, oh, they expect this game to be the last one, so they kind of like throw everything in there, and it's sort of like a, it's just different. But it was very intentionally supposed to be a let's go back because with Final Fantasy sort of six through eight, they really like strayed from the first five games in the series in terms of like themes and setting it was getting very futuristic and very like spacey and like ooh technology and so they're like okay let's take a step back let's go back to what made like the original games great let's go with these characters who have very like solid archetypes like here's your black mage here's your thief here's your fighter you didn't have that in final fantasy like five through eight really yeah to, um, to be clear like, that's that's what we're referring to like the older style where it was yeah. more laced in like actual fantasy elements in like medieval fantasy yeah 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 and so they went back to that and they're like let's go back to four party members like we did on the super nintendo and like let's go back and do all this stuff and so a lot of the people involved in final fantasy consider their work in that game to be the best hironobu sakaguchi i've heard this from other places he considers it like the definitive final fantasy like that's his favorite uh nobu has said that's his favorite soundtrack out of all of them Hiro, so here nobu sakaguchi by the way is the director behind many of like the biggest final fantasy well, titles he's the creator and the creator he's the creator yeah. of the series yes. so he's, and and he's no, kind of a big nobuo deal. you know here therefore nobuo oimatsu hereafter referred to as just nobuo, nobuo or, or master nobuo what have <laughs> yeah. you is the is the primary composer for final fantasies one through ten yes so Final Fantasy IX was kind of a big deal. And so part of this probably wasn't why people were hyping up Final Fantasy X. It was probably because it was Final Fantasy in, you know, PS2 graphics and a completely different. There was no more pre-rendered stuff, which they had done all through the PS1. It was all and like, it looked 3D really graphics. Good. It looked really good, uh, especially for the first game. And it seemed like in most of Square's experience in the other systems, their first game on the system was like, it was a little dicey in terms of graphics. Like comparing Final Fantasy IV to Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo is like no contest. Final Fantasy VI looks so much better. Uh, but you could say the same thing about Final Fantasy VII to Final Fantasy IX. Just look at the overworld sprites <laughs> of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I love Final Fantasy VII, but there's no defending those overworld sprites. Blocky just, polygony mess. <laughs> the Popeye arms yeah. is what always got me. Um, but, you know, the game's fine outside of that. But, you know, 
Final Fantasy X just came out, and it looked like they knew exactly how to use this system, which was pretty sweet. Um, so, not to mention all the colors and just the environments they used. Y- yeah, I mean, so, so that was a lot of the huge draws to Final Fantasy. You know, because it was on a new platform or a new console, it was able to to push the boundaries of the visual medium, mm-hmm. um, and it did that a lot. I mean, I think one of the first things I saw of it outside of some of the promo pictures in the magazines were actual like TV trailers for it, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it wasn't it, it was actual in-game graphics something we don't really see nowadays anymore yeah. it was either the full cgi cutscenes or in-game like fmvs so mm-hmm. and like it was beautiful then and i mean it holds up today now although we still have to sort of like oh it's ps2 you know yeah um it's not hds no um but i mean straight up since final fantasy 8 was already like in my repertoire of of games final fantasy 10 was on my radar i just didn't have the money to get it so once i finally did get it you know it was final fantasy 10 is a very very different experience um mm-hmm. while still offering a, a jrpg you know it still is Final Fantasy X is, I mean, it's a departure kind of, but mostly it does things very differently from previous Final Fantasy games, especially going after uh, Final Fantasy IX, which, as Dave said, went went back to more traditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy X uh, changed the battle system uh, up to their graphics game a whole lot. Um, change their mini game, mm-hmm. um, and we'll, we'll go into all this later in detail. No but basically, more card games. No more card games. <laughs> but basically, they change uh, and also dialogue, actual spoken word. Yeah, dialogue. actual voice acting. Uh, that's a big deal. Actually, that's a really big deal. Um, Nintendo still hasn't done that. No, <laughs> and um, and so so that's what what we were going for was like a Final Fantasy upped up in technology and like advances in graphics and in gameplay and yada yada and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And I, As, I meant to mention this earlier, but I just sort of forgot in my long rant. But Hironobu Sakaguchi was not involved in this game. This he, is the first Final Fantasy game that he did not have involvement with. Yeah, well, this this begins the next topic of how, you know, we had mentioned at the end of uh, at the end of our Tarzan episode, right? Mm-hmm. Where how you know you sort of compared Tarzan yeah. to the Final Fantasy X. Oh, this this is not really a. I mean, it's this weird. Because I don't want to say it's a black sheep, and I, I yeah. don't want to say... It kind of is, though. Like, yeah. there seem to be these points in, like... I, I notice this with a few franchises. You could say it in Disney with Tarzan. Uh, you could point to it in Fire Emblem with what happened in Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, Final Fantasy X is definitely this point where there's just sort of... Heck, Legend of Zelda, you had Ocarina of Time. There's, like, this point where there's so much change in the game's formula and how they're doing things that it creates this divide in a fan base and usually these things are good no one is i mean i'm not gonna you can't say no one anymore which is interesting in itself but most people aren't going to tell you that ocarina of time is bad right so most people aren't going to tell you that legends of zelda ocarina of time is bad but it has like it's come out now where it's sort of created this divide where some people consider sort of the 2d legend of Zelda to be like the real legend of Zelda games and like everything after like, eh, it's just not quite as good. Like not that it's bad, but it's not the same. And so you get that same type of thing in, you know, the Disney Renaissance was like, uh, Tarzan, it just isn't the same. And it ruined it because going forward, things were different. And so that's sort of what happened with final fantasy 10, where things were so different going from final fantasy one through nine to 10 that it created this really big 
it's still a great game and i don't think people people who say like oh it's a bad game like they're i think they're just wrong <laughs> but there's a lot of people who like harbor this it becomes a scapegoat right they harbor this sort of vendetta against it because after that oh it just wasn't quite as good and <laughs> you know or everything's different we don't have this or that anymore and it's just like <sighs> i feel like people can't say that nowadays because of like 14 and 15 i mean are those really well, I, I, I haven't played 15. I'll just say that straight out. But like in 11 through 15, are there any of those games that you think has really been as impactful as 1 through 9? 14 was a very, it was a successful MMORPG. Uh, I think you could say the same thing about 11. 11 was a less successful but still successful MMORPG. But the very fact that they went to MMORPGs instead of traditional JRPGs is pretty different. Uh Final Fantasy XII, Final Fantasy XII is good. everything I've heard about Final Fantasy XII. I've not played it. Everything I've heard says that it's good, but it is also sort of a black sheet because it takes place in the world of Evilise, which is intentionally connected to other Final Fantasy spin-off games, specifically the Tactics series. Um, it's all made by what's called within Square Enix as the Ivalice Alliance, sort of like Sonic Team and Sega. Like, they do all the games that take place in Ivalice. And so Final Fantasy XII is one of those. And so it follows a lot of what Final Fantasy X and the other ones do in terms of, like, storytelling, and it follows all that, but it's still a little different. It still feels a little outside of things. And then Final Fantasy XIII happened. <laughs> final hallway and then we ignored that and we went all the way to final Fantasy. <laughs> well i mean final Fantasy 13 was just weird it came out with three different episodes like which was just so weird sequels to final fantasy games was weird enough as it is and if, maybe we'll get around to talking about the final fantasy well 10 i think sequel, the point but. is is that like final fantasy x sort of maybe like was a bit of a starting gun to like the end of traditional jrpgs kind of yeah you know we don't have which is interesting because it itself is a pretty traditional jrpg yeah it is um but like since they themselves sort of like distanced themselves from from nine you know which was was a pretty was a fairly traditional jrpg very traditional yeah you know so it's so like it, it, all we're saying is that final fantasy x was sort of the start you know because mm -hmm. after that or the end it, it's like the bookend right I, I think it could fit into either one i think it's good enough as a game to fit it like when i think of the final fantasy games i want to play or that like i would recommend to people i would say play one through ten um, yeah you know yeah what I mean? ten would be included in there absolutely yeah, yeah it's like i mean i mean sort of like tarzan it's like we can sort of scapegoat final fantasy x as the end of of traditional jrpgs i mean i'm sure traditional jrpgs came out after 10 yeah. but like have you heard of them yeah, I mean, you know, uh, did they really make like? Did they create new franchises? It that wasn't like, like what Final Fantasy was doing, where everyone was a big deal, and it like stopped the presses. New Final Fantasy coming out. I mean, I think the next the next wave of actual like RPG games were in like in the uh, um, in the flavor of Elder Scrolls. You know, yeah, those well, are those are RPGs. They're MMO RPGs, but they're RPGs. And they're not MMOs. They're they're action RPGs. Aren't they MMOs? There is an MMO, Elder Scrolls Online, but like oh. most of the rest of the ones are not oh. MMOs. Either way, though, I mean they are role-playing games. They're just not, you know, what they're not they're the Western role-playing. They're yeah. action role-playing games. It, it's kind of like Kingdom Hearts is definitely super Japanese, but it's an action RPG. It was no longer like here's your turn, you take your turn, I take my turn. It was action RPG. So when I played the game, when I played Final Fantasy X, I was still 
you know, I've, you know, we didn't see the impact that this game was going to have. So we just, we played it. Yep. You know, it, we just, <laughs> yeah. we just went through it. Yeah. Some things were, were different and we, you know, we just accepted them because there were many other things that just sort of outweighed in good ways. Like those things that were different that seemed kind of off at the time. Um, but Dave here, you, when did you actually get to play it? So I sort of intentionally tried to make the summer of my between my junior and senior year of college like my summer of rpgs that was when i determined that i was going to play through as many final fantasy games as i could uh, because as i mentioned i grew up in a conservative household and final fantasy type games were a big no-no um even if i had had the systems was this like, also oh, magic was this also because you were trying to get like fodder for your for your capstone yeah also that but i just i just wanted to do it so final fantasy 4 on the ds was the first final fantasy game i played i played that towards the end of my junior year final fantasy 6 came next and i played that mostly on tour on one of the infamous tours that Saul, Saul and i went on um although a little bit before and after then i played final fantasy 1 on the gba uh and then i played uh was when I played Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy VIII at your house <laughs> when I was there pretty much all the time. Uh, and I intended to do Final Fantasy X as well, but let's be real. Me just listing off all those games probably tells you that I bit off way more than I could chew. Yep. Uh, so I don't think I actually played through Final Fantasy X until the year I got married. So it was sort of late 2013, early 2014 uh because i played it in front of my wife a lot and she still has whenever she hears the battle music she still immediately recognizes it (laughs) (laughs) so yes that is when i finally got around to playing it and so um, so at this time 12 was out right oh yeah at least 13 was out 13 13, most of the 13 series was out by that time and so you've already you had already experienced like the decline i guess of of the of the traditional jrpg model i guess but i mean it had never in my mind it had never declined you know i i had been apart for i never i didn't ever i didn't own a ps2 until i got married when i inherited my wife's ps2 um and she didn't grow up playing rpg so she certainly didn't have it i didn't have a ps3 until i got married when i bought one uh for other things so by that time it had already sort of been established Final Fantasy 13 bad. Don't waste your time. <laughs> so I I had sort of been outside of all that. So in my mind, I had never really sated my like RPG like uh like hunger that had started when I played Super Mario RPG because of the systems I'd been on. So when I got to do the summer of RPGs, it was all very fresh. It's not like I was replaying it on the Final Fantasy 4 on the DS when I'd played it on the Super Nintendo. Like it was brand new to me. Same with six, same with one, same with eight, same with Kingdom Hearts, same with ten. So it was all, it was all new to me, man. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the ways that X was different than than let's say I guess we can say nine, although we're, that's gonna yeah, have to be a, its own successor. episode. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the biggest things I can think of is the sphere grid. Yeah. So in a general uh, JRPG, RPG in general, you know, you you fight baddies, you gain experience points, and when you gain enough, you gain a level. And generally, when you gain a level, some some or all of your stats will will raise a little bit to show that you've gotten stronger. Yeah, and sometimes um, you'll learn a new move or something. Right. In Final Fantasy X, um, the the stats that that 
grew as you grew levels was determined on the sphere grid, which was this big, well, I mean, not not a grid. It was just this big old like smattering of... of How do you even describe that thing to someone I can't. who hasn't seen it? A, a work of art? I don't, Is it? No. I mean, like, have you ever seen... Modern art, Have I you guess. ever seen pictures of the whole sphere grid filled? Not... Filled. It's I think I've be- seen pictures of this whole thing. It's a but- beautiful thing. Huh. I never finished it, but no, like, no, no, no. Oh my goodness. So basically, as you as you keep fighting baddies, you will also pick up spheres, which are just items, and that's what you would use to like activate these these slots on the sphere grid. Yeah. And then each slot would would do something different. You would learn a new ability, or you gain defense points or strength points, what have you. Um, and that in and of itself was like a mini adventure because there was a lot yeah. of forks in the road. Yeah. You didn't want to go down this road because it might be a waste of your resources and things. It was just, it was yeah. different. And you could look ahead. So it wasn't like a mystery what you were going towards. Right. Um, um, and every, every person had like a different, um, had, you know, a different journey as they well. They started at a different, so every character actually shares the same grid. Yeah. But six. they all start at a sa- at the same point, and one person filling in part of the grid doesn't prevent another person from filling in that same part. Right. Um. So based on where you start, there's sort of there's sort of a a direction that you can tell they're pushing you. Right. It's like if you just want to be if you're you know Yuna and you just want to be a basic summoner with some white mage stuff. Here's the direction you go. Right. Like if you're Titus, here's the basic direction you go. It'll just sort of accentuate your strengths, and this is where you go. But you don't have to. You can change it up at certain points depending on... There are some certain spheres you, like, have to get to, like, go the way opposite of where you're, quote-unquote, supposed to go. But you can do it. And so you can do really wonky stuff with your characters if you really want to. Or you can just follow the standard path and they'll just get better. And eventually, once they reach the end of, quote-unquote, their path, they'll enter another person's path. So I think Titus immediately goes into Yuna. So he starts learning healing magic once he's sort of completed his path. Whoa, now, whoa. This is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think Oren goes into Titus's area. <laughs> Moving yeah, on. just ignoring that. <laughs> so he starts to get a little bit faster and getting some of his quick techniques. Um, I think... Does Riku go into uh, the Black Mage tree? I can't remember. No, I think she goes in the Black Mage tree, which is kind of cute because there's a few points in the story where she's talking to Lulu about wanting to be a Black Mage, which I thought was a nice little touch. But basically, it's, it's eventually, weird for the thief class to also like, because that's what she is, right? She's the yeah, thief she's class. the thief yeah. class. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, all your each one is sort of fits into this archetype. Like, like we were mentioning, like Riku is the thief, Yuna is the white mage summoner, Lulu is the black mage, Waka throws things, <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually, <laughs> Kamari's the tank, right? No, Kamari's the blue mage. Kamari learns oh, moves right. that the that the enemies use on him that's right so he's like the wild card he can go like any direction he wants no, and walk is definitely not the tank no, he, no. <laughs> i'm pretty sure oran is the tank oran just hits really hard and takes hits like a boss <laughs> and that's all you need really like oh poor walker i love walker i love walker walker was like at one of my mvps because he does damage like he does some serious damage i yeah. think he does work but um yeah. So, so like we said, the sphere grid was one of the biggest differences. I've only ever seen the sphere grid, or you know, like the similarities or like similar systems pop up in one other game, and that was Kingdom Hearts Recoded. 
Um, wow. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't I, I didn't I show you that you did. Yeah, I, I don't think I I don't think I associated it with the sphere grid though. It totally was. It mm, was just like laid out like a big empty motherboard, and mm. you got chips, and you had to place those chips in there, and you got your attributes. Hmm. That was well, it. Okay. And, and I again never got close to filling that. And all the only one you ever had to do was Sora. Um, but I just never did anyways. Um, another departure I think from other ones was that, um, the past, the past three final fantasies, right. Uh, uh, seven was active, right? Oh yeah. I'm talking about active. Yeah. The past six final fantasies have all been active time. Which, Which basically means that, um, the battles keep moving no matter what. So you have to sort of make your decisions like, just you know wisely and quickly quickly uh, so there's this little bar next to each of your characters in like the battle menu and when it fills up is when you can access the their like options to like attack or magic or whatever and while yours is filling up the enemies are too but you can't see that so if yours fills up and you just sit there the enemies will keep attacking you Mm -hmm. and you will never do anything Mm -hmm. if you're like sitting like indecisive and there's i think there's settings you can pick with whether once you enter certain sub menus if the opponents like pause like once you hit magic if you're choosing which magic spell to cast i think it will usually pause the enemies but i think that's an optional thing depending on how hardcore you want to be uh but yeah it would the idea was it kept moving it was trying to get away from the first three final fantasies which were strictly very traditional turn-based all of your characters pick what they're going to do at the same time uh as your enemies do and then they all sort of do it at once and it's (laughs) determined at like which character has the highest speed who goes first and this person goes second blah, blah 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 and so the active time system was sort of to keep you more involved so that you it wasn't just a simple boring menus quote unquote and it works man yeah it it's really a, works especially if you run system. into like the rare really heavy enemy and you're like oh <laughs> oh no yeah and it just cast that because one spell it's hard to be thinking that far ahead because like i said as soon as it fills up and you're like on the screen you know that you're like on the clock because the opponent is gaining seconds on you the longer it takes for you to decide what you want to do um, so it's good. It, it was a very innovative battle system that they invented for four and that they kept until nine because that's just how good and definitive it was. Then we get to 10. Yeah. Which is completely different. Completely different. So the, the closest thing I compare it to is Super Mario RPG because as opposed to the first three Final Fantasy games, you, not everyone in your party picks their move at once. One person picks it at a time, and then they do it, and then it's the next person's turn, which is how it worked in Super Mario RPG, or the Mario RPGs in general. The catch is that you see on the side of the screen who's going to be going next. It's all listed out in a little order for you. And so you can see, like, oh, Titus is going first, and then two monsters, and then Yuna, and then Titus again, and then Oron, or something like that. Um, And so it creates this really interesting environment where you because you can see exactly how that's going to play out you can really plan ahead and it's really interesting and certain moves that you use will cause your characters to move up or down in that order Mm -hmm. so there's like fast moves and slow moves so like titus has a lot of fast moves where if he uses like i think it's just called quick hit he will his turn will come up sooner than it would normally whereas Mm -hmm. oran is just super freaking slow (laughs) his turns like never come up but when they come up he at least makes the most of them um so 
It was, I really liked, and I should throw this in too because I abused the heck out of this, but I just loved it. You could switch, so in most RPGs, you get like, like let's say Final Fantasy, I don't even remember the exact number. How many characters were there in Final Fantasy VIII? Like there party were, members, there six, were at seven? Least seven final uh, uh, members, yeah. Okay, but I think you could only, well, anyway, no switch. But let's say you have like seven characters in your party, right? Normally you'd have your three people up there and then maybe maybe the game is set to where the people who aren't like fighting get experience and maybe it isn't but you just kind of have those three people and then your three favorites or whatever and then you forget about the other four like the people you don't like and it's right. like eh, whatever right final fantasy 10 did this really cool thing where in every battle you could switch to the people who were not in your immediate party and it didn't cost you anything if you had kamari in the back and you were running with yuna titus and oran and you're you have titus and you're like oh i really want to use something that some ability that kamari has you just pull out kamari and i was like oh here he is like you didn't lose your turn it's not like pokemon where you switch and you lose your turn it's just there he is and he can do whatever and it's it sounds kind of broken <laughs> but it's really cool because it gives you access to your entire party. Your entire party is fighting. You're not like losing anything by like not using those characters. And it also enables all of them to get experience from every battle. Okay. Yeah, that That's gigantic. I yeah. mean, I remember in final fantasy eight, how much of a struggle that was just drawing magic for three members and then well, switching out Final Fantasy for VIII. other three members. I'm just saying that that ability would have been nice to have in Final Fantasy VIII, for instance. Yeah, yeah. But, and I, like I said, I made sure, because I have this weird obsession with wanting my party to be equally leveled, every battle I was in, whether it was a random battle or a boss, I made sure that every character got into it because there was no punishment it wasn't like it wasn't like there was a thousand points of experience and if you had three people in it got split three ways and if you had four people it got split four ways it was like no every character who participates in this battle gets 400 experience period so if you have three people participate you got 12,000 total ex- or 1200 total experience if you had twice that many people then you had twice as many experience points basically and that was the kind of that's the kind of value that a man like me cannot pass up <laughs> so and it was cool because it made you use every character. It was just, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. And the fact that it let you stop and think about how you were going to use your turns and each character's individual ability, I think really influenced how they were able to design the bosses. I think the bosses in Final Fantasy X are some of the best bosses in terms of gameplay and how you fight them in the Final Fantasy series. I think they're really good and really interesting. So that is, those are probably the, I think, the two primary, unless I'm missing a big one, uh, two primary, like, differences in gameplay. Those are, like, the first thing. Well, there's, some there's up- no overworld. Yes, there that's is, true. That was a really big deal because it was it was tradition from Final Fantasy 1 to 9 that you had an overworld and eventually you got an airship and you could fly all the way around it. Now, you still get an airship in 10, but it's not so you can fly around some gigantic overworld. Right. It is it is a bit more linear. Is that fair? It is actually. Yeah. yeah. It's super linear now that I think about it. Yeah, and it's it's become like a meme. It's become a trope to make fun of the new Final Fantasy games because they're linear. And if you do want to point a finger at ten for starting that, like I guess you can. But I don't mind it. It's not like there weren't side quests you could go back and do. It's not like you couldn't go back and do this stuff. It just wasn't on an overworld where it didn't quote unquote feel as free. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I mean, uh, 
I'm thinking of like I think the Meehan High Road. Yeah. Like, that is just a big rail now that I think about it. Yeah, it, although it's, it, it's it, just like a, an area in Super Mario RPG. Again, it's like you get to this area and you go through it. It's a place for you to go through. And it's okay because it's it's like a dungeon almost, like a mini dungeon. Yeah. Right? That it's just that the Mia and High Road is just for you to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Or like a route on Pokemon kind of. I don't know. There are other other differences like um like limit breaks are different. Um, limit breaks are almost like mini games all in their own right yeah um summons are also way different rather than just like watching a giant cutscene and dealing a little bit more damage now it was actually like you actually controlled the summon and they replaced your party yeah they replaced your party and you as the summoner yuna would actually control it to do things like basic attacks to like their limit break you know attacks like you know shiva did her her trademark diamond dust attack and whatnot Summons, I mean, just overall, though, play a, a pretty important role in the game as well, though. All right, question. In terms of, like, when you first played this game, how often did you actually use the summons in battle? Not very. I never used Not them. Not very I, I cannot all. think of any. I think the only time I tried to use them was when I was trying to cheese, like, one of the final battles of Seymour. I th- <laughs> if you remember what I'm talking about. There's like a point where you where he is just wrecking your world and I was like, oh maybe I could cheese it by putting a summon out of this point. And he, <laughs> he just he, he just has one specific move that is basically F your summons. It's <laughs> just, just a nope. Yeah. Summon, just like, oh oh okay, I guess. I would oh, usually right. bring out a summon after I got one. Um, God, I wouldn't even bother. Oh, really? It was just, I was like, I don't care. I mean, because some of them, I mean, well, because I was looking for this for the CGI cutscenes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that makes sense. I played this in 2014, so I don't care what the CGI yeah. cutscenes are. <laughs> on like, a PS2. Whatever, on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was not playing the HD remaster version. No. I guess you clarify that. <laughs> Um, so that part was different, although summons do play kind of a big role in the game. In the story. Uh, in the story. Yeah. Um, the the side the the side mini games. Um, so in nine and in eight and seven. No, there was no card game. Okay. In, seven. N- in eight and nine, there was a, a very optional card game, very optional card yeah. game that you can play. Um, in eight, you know, if you got really good at the card game, you could you had an ability to like turn them into extremely rare items. Um, in nine, I mean, is there an end game to, to them being in there nine? There is actually a point in the story where you have to play the card game oh. to a certain extent. And you don't have to, like, have built up your deck. Um, but, like, there is a point where you have to play the card game. Super. Uh, <laughs> I should probably start playing it again then. I, I enjoyed the card game in nine a lot more than eight. I thought that it added more depth and more... It made more sense than whatever the garbledygook of triple triad was so 10 decided to throw away card games and since they had more space to work with on on a disc they had they had blitz ball blitz ball blitz ball was a game uh you know completely invented in final fantasy 10 uh which is also the the main game of our protagonist titus kind of like underwater water polo Mm -hmm. because i guess the denizens of spira can hold their breath for a really long time (laughs) while exerting themselves extremely physically and so there's a big like colloid of water like inside of this big arena 
and it's it sounds like what it is. You you get a ball and you swim around in there and you try to get it into the goal. It's it's very simple. The game also like adds things like special moves where like it can poison one of your characters. When Titus is OP. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Rip Walker. It there is a point where you have to play Blitzball, um, but after that, it's very optional. You don't have to win. You actually don't have to win. Yeah. Um, I actually forget what like the end trove of getting really good at Blitzball is though. I'm sure it's. Like I remember you items. can recruit some really cool people. Like you eventually get Waka back, um, and there's like some other people I think, but I I don't remember what the end. Mm-hmm. I never never did that. So I forget the the Xanarkin Abe's, the Besaid Arox, yeah, and then the Luca. I don't remember. I don't even remember the team you're playing against in like the part where you have to play aren't you playing against luca maybe i i don't even remember uh, it's just some final fantasy ish <laughs> like, yeah. word like what is an auroc it's what? like the the Masaid auroc dude how dare you everybody aurochs aurochs you aurochs me everybody aurochs um oh gosh. so that as far as the gameplay differences i think that about sums it i mean we can go into more minute detail but we're not um the thing that i love most about this game is the storytelling of it i think yeah. having dialogue definitely helped it and i also think not having bad voice actors helped that um because to be fair legend of dragoon had voice actors but man they were bad they were i'm surprised they're not maymays right now it is bad um and uh we gotta start that we gotta strike while the meme is still hot sure you (laughs) go ahead start posting those start cheeseburgering thanks whatever their names are i don't remember their names um so um, but the voice acting in here is done really well. And the story is just, the story is not too unique. I mean, it's not like the most ingenious story ever written, but the way that it develops is, is really nice. I think you, it is pretty unique, honestly, for what it is. I, I don't mean, know. I think it's like a, 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 a what a, can you think of that's comparable to the entire like concept of sin in this universe though? And like, that was really like mind blowing when you found out like what that was all about. You're like, what the like? Do you think we should just sort of go over the story right you now? You should, yeah. Okay, so, um, the way that the way that the game starts is that you're Titus. You are about to. You are clearly some sort of hotshot blitzball guy. Yeah. And you are about to play a game when all of a and sudden you hate your dad's guts, right? That's ex- that's established already. That yeah, it is. That's right. You hate <laughs> your dad's guts. Daddy issues all around. Yeah, because he's he's a superstar blitz player. You're like a star blitz player. He's like the blitz player. Yeah. There's like some commentators like saying like, will he ever rise to the occasion of his father? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Ever to her. <laughs> Um, and so while you're playing your game, your town is being ravaged by something. You can't really tell what it is, like yeah. some sort of hurricane type thing. Uh, you get sucked into it, and then now you're transported into this other place yeah. that you find out is called Besaid. And while you're there, you encounter some characters, uh, Waka, Lulu, and um, and Yuna. And Kamari. And Kamari. I can't, I'm, so, Kamari. I'm sorry. I can't Kamari. forget about Kamari. That was our joke, right? Kamari only says his name. Right? Yeah. Just Kamari. I mean, that is true. Like He, well, he never... speaks in, in third person, but like... Yeah, he's like, but he hardly ever talks. Yeah. Like, 
He's just there. Anyway, so you come to find that Yuna is a summoner and who's making her pilgrimage through uh, the the world of Spira. Mm-hmm. And Waka and Lulu and Kamari are her guardians mm-hmm. uh, on this journey. Um, and but you find out that the journey's end is in Xanarkand, which is where uh, Titus is from. Yeah, he keeps telling people he's like, "Oh, I'm from Xanarkand," and they give him this look like. What are you talking about? Sure you are, buddy. (laughs) You basically find out that you've been transported like many years into the future. Um, You don't don't find that out for a while. You're just like, for a while it feels like you just kind of got transported to this other world where there happens to be a city with the same name. uh, And you're like, what the heck? Like, it's really weird. And it it takes a while to build up. But yeah, eventually you find out that you're in the future. Um, so yeah, you're, you're basically at this point just like following her and the other guardians just so you can find out some answers for yourself. And because um, Yuna's hot. Okay. On the way. <laughs> well, I mean, you, for Titus, you know. On the way, there's a, there's a sep not a separate, but like, you know, the other sub story of, you know, the people in Spira of, you know, Machina versus not Machina, basically. And basically this is a world where technology is extremely rebuked. And yes. like even punished by by the gods, right? Well, or, we we kind of I don't remember when you find out about sin. I don't remember if it's when you first meet Yuna, where they're like, "Yeah, you're going." She's going on this pilgrimage to beat sin, or whatever, or when it sort of comes up that that's the end goal. But basically, there's this church, the Church of Yevon, and it pretty much is like the church of the world like it's like the world religion and except for like a few people the albed who the albed. you are very separate from everything and so it is one of the church sort of rules that you are not to go too far with machina or technology and the reason for that isn't necessarily because the church will come after you but because sin will come after you and sin is this giant he's basically a giant humpback whale like <laughs> yeah. this giant floating humpback whale thing that is just completely immune to everything and can wreck your mess whenever he wants to and what tends to draw him to a place is machina so once a area like builds up enough machina enough technology there's this pattern where sin will show up and just wipe the city up yeah just flatten it just completely wreck it and then go back to doing whatever it does when it's not wrecking stuff (laughs) just kind of disappear and so yeah it has become a no-no to develop a certain amount of technology so um so you're going along like where am i right now in the story uh have we met Seymour yet? No, I guess not. <laughs> so Seymour is in the Church of Yevon. He's like Seymour is a maester, which is essentially essentially a priest, like right? a bishop or like a higher. Yeah, up. yeah. Um, he attempts to try to defeat a, a small, like sort of portion of sin called the Sin Spawn, using Machina, uh, which was like extremely, extremely controversial and blows up completely in their faces. Um, basically you come to find, you know, it's very clear he's, he's, you know, to quote pro ZD, he's a Lysanderoth character where it's like, of course you're evil. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're definitely the bad guy, <laughs> but everyone else is like, Oh, Seymour, he's one of, he's a good guy. You're like, uh, you know, I don't know how to break I've this seen to enough you. anime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically. Um, so um, moving way forward, I mean, obviously he's evil, but he's he's even more than that. He is he's just weird because it takes a long time for you to get what his like goal or his deal is. Yeah, because like he keeps being like, "I'm going to defeat sin and like save the world," and like, "All right, good for you, buddy." But you're, not, I'm not playing as you, so that must not be true. Well, he's also an unsent. 
Yeah, but you don't find that out for a while, no. right? So maybe you should explain sending. So a, when you there's die, so many weird. Yeah. <laughs> so when you die stuff. in the world of Spira, you have to be sent uh, by a summoner, which means like you know your soul, your spheres, whatever, go to the far plane, which it's is kind of like, like last rites, kind of. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's the best thing I can think of. But sometimes a summoner doesn't, and depending on your like on your will of your spirit you will remain as an unsent um, either as like one of the monsters that you end up fighting in the game. Yeah, eventually you'll turn into a monster. Or if you are, or if you are hardy enough, you will stay like your sort of like human form. (laughs) Just kind of stick around. (laughs) And we know two of those in the game and Seymour is one of them. And then you eventually find out that Auron is one of them too. You don't find that out for a long time. Right. That's actually kind of a big one. You just kind of, because you really grow to like Auron. Yeah. Um, And you're just like, oh man. Yeah. Come on, dude. So anyways, there's a big thing where, where Seymour's plan is revealed um and you know he he bad he evil and whatnot and he's forcing yuna to marry him which at this point you know is bad because titus is starting to love her and everything like that too yeah this is a big romantic subplot and uh oh yeah and they 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 rescue her they defeat him for I don't now remember why he wants to marry her it's like symbolic because he says yeah daddy, he says that her if daddy they, was important yeah because like if they do that then like spira will be like unified behind them or yeah, something yeah, but know. of course that's just like a vehicle for him to enact his evil plan i guess <laughs> or something seymour yeah. was not the most i mean his hair is awesome but <laughs> he wasn't the most interesting character villain in the hair game. top 10 <laughs> <laughs> um so then comes in, I think, the biggest twist he's of the He's easy game. to hate, though. Kind of like we talked about Clayton. Like, he might not be the deepest thing, but he's he's really fun to hate. He's actually really easy to hate because he's just a complete slimeball. <laughs> you find out that he, like, murdered his father, and there's a couple points where he's, like, murdering other members of, like, other maesters, other, like, church higher-ups, yeah. so that he can be the guy. Like, he he's definitely... He does his job. He does his job really well. I think <laughs> he's a good villain. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't have any... I don't have any qualms against that. No. So then comes in the biggest twist. I don't think after that. I think before that you knew that. The biggest twist, I guess, of the whole game is that um, this is a cycle that repeats ever so often where a summoner makes a a, a grand pilgrimage across Spira and then will defeat Sin by summoning the final Aeon. The way that this is done, though, is that one of the Guardians has to sacrifice themselves to become the final Aeon. Yeah, the Guardians are the people who travel with the Summoner to ensure that she can get he or she can get to all the shrines and get all the summons and yeah. basically acquire the power she needs to pull this off. So the guard, one of the Guardians has to become the final Aeon, and and in the process of the final summoning, the Summoner dies. Yes. And also in the process there, the final Aeon will defeat Sin, but also become Sin itself. Yeah, so when we say defeat Sin, we mean basically put it to sleep for like an undisclosed amount of time. I think it's like a hundred years, something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It it's long enough for people to get comfortable, but not long enough that it's like any sort of permanent solution. So Yuna's dad named Lord Braska was a summoner and um because it must be less than that because she's only like what 18 or 20 yeah so dang, it must only last like 10 or 20 years or probably something. yeah wow. um and it turns that you find out also that jecht uh, titus's dad was braska's guardian so when you piece all that together you find out that sin is titus's dad yep um that's actually kind of awkward. A, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a big awkward reveal not to mention the fact that yuna has to die as well yeah um Titus is not okay with he that. is not okay with that there's a big there's a wonderful there's actually a wonderful cutscene 
where like Titus is trying to calm her down a little bit. They're in the Macalania woods, which is like really aesthetically beautiful. And they have this really big, ethereal. They have this big makeout scene <laughs> underneath the water while the main theme Suteki Dane is playing. <laughs> I liked that scene. I thought it was, I thought it was visually like really well done, but it's so Japanese. <laughs> so, it is so anime. Like It oof, is. Oof. There's no, there's no denying there's that. There's no getting around it. Um, and so basically they were like, no, let's do things differently. And so as you continue to do things exactly the same, <laughs> So you finally get to Xanarkand, and you have Which to... Which is def- just a complete ruin. Yeah. Like, it is just complete wreckage. You have to defeat a lot of people on the way that are, like, there to, like, do regular business. And you're like, I don't want to <laughs> do regular business. business. And like, well, I'm going to kill you. And then you yeah. kill them. And oh, I kind of like forgot that. about that. And then, again, this is totally just moving forward really fast. And uh, you, you defeat everything. It's a really, really hard battle in the end. And the final scene, basically, as a result of all of, you know, the world kind of becoming at order and at peace. Well, we have to talk about where Titus actually comes from, right? Well, why don't you go ahead, then? Well, you'll have to correct me, because you, you are much more familiar. Basically, it turns out that Titus didn't actually come from the past. He came from this dream world of the past. <laughs> okay, so I'll explain this. So basically, Xanarkand, which is where they end up, right? Yes. All of the all the people there that were destroyed by sin in the beginning, there since they weren't sent, their memories and like their souls are sort of concentrated in what they call the faith. Well, it has to do with this weird dude. It has to do with Yevon, right? Where you, like you it, Yevin, there was this there was this massive war or something and Sin was like his ultimate weapon. It, I think it was like Machina versus Summoners is what the war boiled down to, right? Yeah. Roughly. And so Yu Yevon was like, "Man, if only I could create like the ultimate summon." And so in this world summons come from quote-unquote faith, F I Y T H. So <laughs> I guess the best way, how would you describe faith? It's just these people who like concentrate all their essence into this. It's like a collective mind, I guess. Kind of. And like you find out that like it's heavily implied that Seymour's super creepy, really wonky summon thing is like actually the faith of his mom. Right. Or something, (laughs) which is just all kinds of. Seymour is so creepy. He does a really good job being creepy. His Aeon, if you guys just want to, if you just want to look up. Anima, like, yeah, that's the name. Anima. I I was freaked out if then. Viewer discretion advised. Oh jeez, like, I was freaked out then. I'm freaked out now. Yeah, and plus you actually get to own that that summon. If also. you do like a long side quest, yeah, yeah. Uh, not worth it. <laughs> but in any case, so you find out that that's what Sin is. He's this Aeon, this summon that is being powered perpetually by these people who are constantly giving it faith and you come up to the, this really creepy wall in Xanarkin too where they're all like stuck in it and yeah. it's just like it's really weird and so in order basically Yu Yevon was very like idealistic he was like I want to keep the memory of Xanarkin alive forever and so he made them basically like dream of Xanarkin yeah, eternally yeah. and that is where that reality is like where Titus and Jekt are from. Yeah. And so in order to stop sin, they need to stop these people from doing this, basically. But as soon as they do, their reality ceases to exist. Which means Titus will cease to exist in this yes, timeline. Correct. Um so after Sin is defeated, Yuna is is doing her sending, right? Which then means that Titus is gonna have to leave. Yeah. There's a Does does she know? 
at that point? I don't think they told her. I don't I, remember. I don't remember, actually. Yeah. I, I feel like he didn't tell everybody. I think he, like, sort of hinted at it to, like, Waka and maybe Lulu, but I feel like they're like, dude, don't tell Yuna. Like, <laughs> dude, don't, don't she, tell Yuna. She, she, <laughs> she can't handle that. <laughs> it's wow. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, so... So the end scene involves cheese. And may, may I just say, and I've said this before to Dave, the ending scene when I first got to it messed my day up. It's the, very the, sad. The, the Yeah, the emotion that I felt like watching it as a, as a kid or like a teenager, I guess. Yeah, I was a hormonal teenager when this happened. Like I might, my, the rest of my day was just messed up because of how depressing it is. It's really well done. Titus is, is starting to like fade away. Um, you know, his, you know, he's starting to dematerialize, I guess. And like, there's a scene where like, he's trying to jump off the ship to make like a big dramatic exit. And then Yuna has to like come after him, but like run straight through him, you because know, he's, he's like a ghost now. He yeah. like, doesn't even exist. And it's just, she just lays there yeah and it's just so like heartbreaking you're just like and they could have left it there but instead they they had to make a sequel which doesn't have to do with this this because we're talking about a good game here so talk about good games on this episode (laughs) Ooh, burn Ooh, i don't know anybody who argues that final fantasy x2 is (laughs) i mean i've heard people say the gameplay is good which is like okay but everything else at what cost at what cost (laughs) yeah basically so that that's the the basic basic cliff notes of the story um and you can tell it's pretty esoteric like it is (laughs) there's a lot of weird stuff going on which is very it's very final fantasy at this point right yeah and there's a lot of subplots we're not talking about either like you know we we mentioned the albed yeah. Um, and how like you know one of your party members is out bed and waka is basically incredibly racist towards them <laughs> yeah, actually <laughs> waka is like extremely religious basically like he's very devout in his religion With, and there's a good it's he's good because there's a good reason for it because yeah. his, his brother went off to fight against sin i mm, think yeah and he wound up dying to sin which waka believes is a result of them like using too much machina or like whatever the albed are sort of like excommunicated like race of people because they could they insist on continually using technology yeah and so at first and yeah riku becomes one of your one of your party mates and she's actually like the first person you meet she is and then she like disappears for the longest time it's kind of interesting yeah yeah absolutely um yeah so so that's that is that as far as the story goes i loved the story um, there are some things that are like Dave said are like very Japanese anime. It's it's very hokey sometimes. Yeah, I, think, I mean the you, big wedding scene is is extremely like that you one's know, good. Yeah, it's good, but like it is very. You should see this anim- animated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to push you a little bit about on the voice acting specifically because when people harp on this game i feel like some of the things they do harp on is how (laughs) right that one Um, and also how cheesy the story is in general you know which is kind of a little bit accentuated by that scene and things like it i think people sort of take that scene it's sort of like it's sort of like my spider-man 3 argument i like spider-man 3 controversy yes i guess we're getting there already i like spider-man 3 a lot you mentioned spider-man 3 
to the people that are just like on the bandwagon. Yes, I will say that. They Dang. will just immediately call it the dancing scene, right? Uh, like the him dancing on the scene. They never ever mention the fact that all the girls on the dancing scene are repulsed by him, that he's clearly trying to look like a goofer and that like none of this is like working out in his favor. And they're they're definitely trying to say that, but no, people are just like, "Oh, you seen the dancing scene? That means the whole movie sucks," you know? Like, guys, you didn't see the whole movie. Like, that's all you're facing. You probably didn't even see the movie. You're just following along on a Maymay. That's probably true. And um, and so people sort of do that with the voice acting in this particular scene where Yuna, at this point in the in the in the game, Titus doesn't know all that Yuna has to do. And yeah, so for and, most of the game. Right. And so dark. Yuna is like really really heavy on this right now and so titus is trying to cheer her up and saying like you know what i like to do to my troubles is i try to laugh them away right like Mm -hmm. that's what he says i think something like that and so to do that like he does a very forced laugh it's a very just ha 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 you can find it anywhere on the internet if you really want to but the thing is is that people always take that scene and they're like oh the voice acting's bad listen to his laughing you fool you're supposed to know the context of it and if you if you push along in that scene they start laughing for real because they realize how ridiculous it is yeah themselves yeah i really never had a moment in this game especially going after some uh, after playing some some jrpgs that had just horrible voice acting (laughs) watching this one ever thinking that any of the voice acting was bad in any way to be really honest with you yeah um i I thought most of the voice acting was really good too i think titus's voice is kind of annoying sometimes but it's not like bad you know it's kind of just taste too but other than that like um, even Seymour, Seymour is talks. He's really over the top, but, <laughs> but you, it's great. But it's great. <laughs> it's good villain speak. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like pseudo British kind of. Yeah, we always have to have our bad guys be British. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> I know. it's very proper I and like better I than you, right? Yeah, it very much is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, Waka, the fake and Jamaican. I love the walk. <laughs> Basically, Besaid is a is an island like sort of Jamaica. Besaid is Jamaica. Let's just say that uh, everybody there speaks with a Jamaican accent. Waka just speaks with a Jamaican accent the whole time, the whole way through. Come on, should be here in Besaid. Welcome. Yeah. Dave does a really good Waka. <laughs> Sorry, it's just too fun. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, overall, like I never had any issue with the vo- with the with with the voice acting. And I had something to say about it because I had played games with just wretched voice acting in the past. Yeah, like a lot of those PS1. It's weird going back to the PS1 era because Square Enix was just like vomiting RPGs all over the place. Like whether they were uh, uh, Final Fantasy or not. Like Threads of Fate was a Square game. Mm -hmm. And so there were just all these, there were just so many RPGs on that system in general that some of them just, you know, they weren't, uh, weren't the best. It's, I guess because, you know, all their money and efforts do go into Final Fantasy. That's their flagship series. At least back then it was. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, Legend of Dragoon didn't have as much support as Final Fantasy did. I mean, it wasn't Square Enix either. But then There's that, too. Yeah. But, like, even, I mean, just off the top of my head, Mega Man X4, I had that for, for PlayStation. That <laughs> one had anime cutscenes in there. And if you've, if you've watched the completionist video on this, you'll get to see 
just how bad some of the acting can be <laughs> and it is it is pretty bad in there i'm not even gonna quote it because it's just that bad so i've played i played a lot of games with bad voice acting not just like okay or like charming but like no bad, bad. voice bad voice acting <laughs> and going to final fantasy x man it was good yeah great refreshing even, you know mm-hmm. uh obviously i like to talk about the music uh when it comes to any final fantasy game mm-hmm. this was again sort of talking departures this was also the first final fantasy game where master nobuo was not the only composer mm-hmm. he composed um the the main theme xanarkins he composed many other themes for he composed most of the the music for the for the game yes but he didn't do all of it mm-hmm. Dave wanted to try to do something with me here. Yeah. Um, while he's doing that, I'll just sort of explain. So Nobuo uses, in past Final Fantasy games, or I guess specifically on the PS1, he likes to use traditional instruments. You know, they might be electronic and MIDI, but they're traditional instruments. Only a few times would it be, like, clearly electronic. Like, And if it was, it was, like, you know, an organ sound or, like, some sort of synthesizer sound that he could just rock out on because he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy X, since there's, the there's like, the underlying uh, fight of, you know, organic versus machina, a lot of the music represents that as well. There's a lot of, like, you know, instrumental-sounding music, and there's also a lot of, like, synthy, poppy sort of sounds also uh, intermixed in there. I mean, in fact, the first thing you hear... Um, I guess when like you actually get control of your character is a very Cynthia and poppy version of the final fantasy prelude, mm, um, yeah. which sort of represents how Machina, you know, Xanarkin is at that time. Um, and, and uh, other things like that as well. So it was different, but the things that end up being all of Nobuo's efforts blow me out of the water. The ending theme for final fantasy 10 is, I mean, I haven't, I haven't laid this out yet, but it might be my favorite Nobuo composition. I think just give like because I know what's going on in the in the whole cutscene, like mm-hmm. I get more emotional emotionally invested when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. But man, it's just good. He's he's a genius. If only I could ever meet him someday and embarrass myself in front of him. <laughs> I, I, I love music. We'll go to we'll go to I've been to Distant Worlds a couple times, so I have at the very least seen him and like been in the same <laughs> building as him. Which is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I, Saul, I like that. Yeah, Saul hasn't had the opportunity, but we'll we'll do it. Mm. We'll make it happen. Um so how how do you want to do this? Do you want me to name off some songs? If I name off songs and you don't know them off the top of your head, it might be a little awkward. So do you want to try to name some that like you think of when you think of this game or Sure, I will. Okay. There are some these might of these... not be on my immediate list, so it might take me a little bit to look them up, but we'll we'll try that. There are some of these that I know immediately off the top of my head are not Nobuo and, and those that are, because I have been a fan of Nobuo's work like for a long time now. I sort of understand his yeah. style. I kind of get how he like composes his stuff, but I mean I could be wrong on some of so these. So let, let me start off with some easy ones. Okay. Xanarkand. Nobuo. Yep. Uh, ending theme. Nobuo. Yep. Uh, Besaid. Someone else. Yes. So the other two composers who did this were Masashi Hamauzu and uh, Junya Nakano. So Besaid specifically is Masashi Hamauzu. Uh, so Tsutaki Dane. Nobuo. Yes. All right. So now <laughs> Thunderplanes. Thunderplanes is one of those the 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 ones that I actually took specifically to put on my list were the ones that got rewritten for the piano soundtrack. Uh, oh. So they're sort of the more popular-ish ones. And Thunderplanes is one of those I really enjoy. Saul does not. Anyone who has played the game 
and I will specify, has tried to do the Thunder Plains subquest, <laughs> probably automatically oh. hates this one. I did not try oh. to <laughs> I did not try to do the subquest. So I, I think it's just a fine piece of uh, piece of music. <laughs> so, Solomon, Thunder Plains, Nobuo or not Nobuo? Not. You are correct. Ah, I knew he wouldn't let me down. That was Masashi Hamauzu. I knew he wouldn't let me down. All right, let's try another one. Okay. Uh, the Travel Agency. Not. You're correct. That too was Masashi Hamauzu. <laughs> Many of these also, I, I'm actually, I don't know, actually. I'm just sort of like thinking back on them and like trying to see if I can... If I can piece this together. So. Yeah, this is one of my favorites, and if you don't remember it, I won't blame you too much. Uh, do you remember Via Purifico? Oh, yes, this is Noble. Yes, it is. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> uh, all right, let's oh, see. Man, what I'm else totally blowing out the mic with all these victories. <laughs> do you remember Titus's theme? That is Noble. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, man, I'm good at this. All right. The final battle. So this is not the battle against Jack. This is the battle against Yu Yevon and the summons. Is this the one that's like... Yeah. I'm going to say not. You are correct. I am impressed. That is, again, Hamauzu. How about Hum of the Faith? That is Noble. Trick question. It was both Nobuo and Hamazu. Oh. Yeah, so they worked together to compose that one. Okay. So there you go. That's an interesting one. Um, what else we got here? Uh, do you remember Riku's theme? Riku's theme. I do. Okay. Um, Nobuo. Yes. <laughs> you are batting a thousand, all right? I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, all right. How about Otherworld? That is the song that plays while you are fighting Jack. No, it's not. Otherworld is is the opening scene. It's the same song. song. Yeah, but that's the song that plays when you're fighting the Jack boss too. Oh. Is it? Yeah, it's the same song. It's it's the heavy metal. (laughs) Oh, I guess I don't remember. Yeah, it definitely. But it does play at the beginning. It plays at both. Uh, It's trying to harken back, I think. I'm going to say not Noble. It was Noble. Oh, man. So they just got a band to do it then. They must have. So that one's interesting because if you just listen to all his other stuff, you'd be like, no, that's not Noble. But if you if you think Black Mages, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Like, that that kind of totally is. Well, you, I mean, you know that Black Mages did a cover of Otherworld, right? Uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, that's why I thought that it was. Well, actually, that should have tipped me off that it was. Maybe. But that cover is actually inferior to the game cover, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Okay, I got one wrong. Yeah. Apologies. That's okay. Uh, Are there any other that come to your mind? Macalania Woods? I like Macalania Woods, but I'm going to say that's not Nobuo. Okay, I'll have to look that one up. Uh, While I'm looking that one up, I'm going to throw out one that I do know. I'm going to throw out uh, Me and High Road. Because I know it off the top of my head. I yeah, that one. It's got like the bouncy noise. Like, dong, 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 yeah. Dong. Um. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Um. <laughs> oh no. Yes, Nobuo. Correct. Oh. <laughs> that was Nobuo. That one surprised me a little bit because <sighs> that is very different from his normal stuff for sure. Uh, 
Well, okay. I, I guess for me, like, because the melody still kind of goes somewhere. Like, it still, like, has some sort of direction. But, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I Mach- said Machalania is not. You are correct. <sighs> that was also Hamazu. That's a that's a beautiful piece though. Mm-hmm. It, it really it, like encapsulates the like the ethereal like area that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Are there any other good ones? Uh, How about fight with Seymour? This is like the last one. Like do 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 Not. It was. Oh. That was no blow. Yeah. So. Oh, I got uh, two wrong. That's not that bad. How about um, a contest of aeons? I'm sure you remember, because you actually did those aeon battles. Do you remember that one? Mm. Mm. Not. Correct. Oh, it was boy. Junior Nakano. So that's actually he. He seems to be very much the tertiary composer. So there's a lot of Hamazu, a yeah. lot of Nobuo, um, and then like Junior Nakano sort of spattered in there. Uh, Can you find out if the Cloister of Trials is not no, or or find out who that is? I'm going to say not. God, because that that is only second to Thunderplanes in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, that one, it kind of it kind of grates on you a little bit. <laughs> Why don't you talk about how much you love it while I try to find so it? So when you reach a temple in a, in a, in a, in a new town, um, in order to, to receive the Aeon, you have to pass the Cloister of Trials, which is a giant, giant platforming puzzle where you have to like, where you have different orbs that like open doors or move pathways and whatnot and different orbs do different things and different slots will activate different things. It's a, it's a really giant puzzle and the music yeah, they're doesn't- they're the dungeons. The, yes, the music just doesn't help it very much. <laughs> so I'm not actually sure what the name of the music in the Cloister of Trials is. It doesn't seem to be Cloister of Trials. Um, you can look if you'd like. Okay. Well, well, I mean, here, I have it pulled okay. up here, just the whole list. I'm yeah. assuming it'd be on disc one, since that's pretty early on. Um, they're, it's called they're the, it's the Trials. Is it The Trials? And okay. it's by Noam, it's by Uematsu. Ah, uh, sorry. You failed me. <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. I renounce everything. Yep, that's it, man. So... So I mean, all that, all that notwithstanding, even though the music is different, especially since there's not not exactly the same composers, Final Fantasy X is still a very, very, you know, treasured soundtrack of mine. I still extremely yeah, enjoy it. It's still it. really good. Yeah. Yep. I like it a lot. Uh, and you know, this sort of brings to light some of the things I really disliked about the game. And it's there's not a lot, but the cloister really was like, are you kidding me? Like. And, and I don't it, remember disliking them that much. I don't know. Well, it's just like, I got to do this again. And like, because I'm not the best at puzzles. I'm really mm-hmm. not. And especially like if it's a, if it gets slightly confusing after a while. Like, so this one does, wait, no, this orb. Hold on. No, this, I'm supposed to, <laughs> wait, I can only carry two at a time. Like, oh yeah. But, but I have this, <laughs> this bag full of potions. How come I can't, like that. Um, yeah. That, <sighs> Blitzball also took quite a while i mean blitzball was enough for it to be its own like mini disc of a game you know mm-hmm. like you know madden blitzball you know what i mean <laughs> like that's that sort of thing and so like if you were really serious about it it took quite a while i think a game could last up to like 40 minutes yeah real minutes and you had to like level up your characters mm-hmm. much like you would love a traditional rpg character and i guess to be fair though i mean you would put in similar amounts of times doing triple triad you would put in similar amounts of time grinding. But, like, a game was pretty quick. Like, a single game. 
of, of like cards. Yeah. Yeah. But it depends on how far you wanted to take it, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, even, man, if you wanted to take Blitzball all the way, like that's just. I can't even remember. I can't even like imagine that almost. I don't like, think so. I don't think I did. I just, I can't even remember. There's no way I ever did. I never <laughs> really tried. I was determined to beat the, to beat the optional mission like mm-hmm. the the forced one that you didn't have to win mm-hmm. i was determined to beat that so i had my fair share of resets there that's for yeah, sure but because yeah. you were not supposed to win that really but you get it was really hard to win that i don't one, even yeah. remember if the reward is worth it you do get a reward i don't Potion. remember if it was worth it five potions <laughs> like i can't remember if it was Me an exclusive thrill. item or something i don't i don't think I don't it was remember. that important to be honest no, with you in so fact i think i remember like are you are you kidding me? The weapon system, I don't want to get into this, but I, I seem to remember the weapon system in this game being very different too, but I barely even remember what it was. Yeah. You had to like put the orbs in your weapon too to like level up certain, I don't remember. Oh yeah. Something weird. Spheres were like everything, like as far as leveling up. Yeah. The weird thing with spheres too was unless it was like one of the really rare ones that unlocked one of those sections I was talking about in the grid. You just had a million of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it was never like, oh, I want to put this one in there, but I don't have it. So I guess I'll use this one. It was like you had an embarrassment of riches and spheres. Yeah. You could just do whatever you wanted with them, which, you know, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But <laughs> So so how do we want to wrap this up? I mean, I, I, uh, I, you know, I don't think the perfect game ever exists out there, but this was a really good game. I think... Um, I think the things that it tried to do differently was done well. I think um, it, it integrated well. Like I could tell it was different, right? Especially mm-hmm. coming after it had just played Final Fantasy VIII, which had a completely different system entirely. Um, I I I gelled well with like the sphere grid. I gelled with you know lack of overworld. Um, uh, and, and the 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 battle system took a little bit of time to getting used to, but it wasn't that bad. Um, side quests were about any other side quest that I can imagine, except for the chocobo balloon thing or something like that. I don't even remember. Oh, uh, you, you chocobo. well because like chocobos were mountable and like oh yeah, you had like a time to trial or something like that. If I remember right, actually, that got kind of really frustrating after a bit. I never did it. Yeah. I don't know if it was worth it either. It was just Chabocobos. Chabocobo. Um, overall, though, I, I just like Dave said, like if anybody was like, oh, I want to play Alex in Classic Final Fantasy, 10 would easily be included in that. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. This is if I was going to rate my like top Final Fantasy games. So I've played you have only played eight and 10, correct? Not to like expose your gaming sins or like whatever, you know what I mean? But I've like, dabbled, I've dabbed in one. Okay. And that's about it. And I know you've played over halfway through nine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's somewhere. over half. I don't know if it's I, over half. I think it's about half. I think it's a little bit over. Um, I don't remember exactly. I mean, disc four, this is kind of what they, so Final Fantasy seven was just three discs. What they kind of wound up doing with disc four, I think they kind of did this in eight was like, here's the final dungeon. Also, you can go back and do all the side quests. That's kind of... So, like, four is not as long as the other discs. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. And so Final Fantasy IX does the same thing. Anyway, I have played... The the list that I have played is 1, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, so I've not played 2, 3, or 5. I've started 5. And I will admit that I did not technically finish 8, but I didn't feel like I needed to. So you're so calling... You, go. you would say 9 is your top then, right? Yeah, so I 9 is my top. I would probably put 10 in my top three 
Oh, okay. I really, there was never a point in 10 where I wasn't having a good time. Um, and I feel like people will want to know when I played this. Because a lot of people have that theory like, oh, well, you always like the ones you play first better, even if they're not the best ones. So again, the order I played them in, for those of you who are curious, was 4, 6, 1, 8, 7, 9, and 10. I think that's all of them. So 10 was actually the last one I played. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I thought that everything it did was really good. I thought the battle system was very intuitive. I didn't have any problem transitioning at all. Um, partially because the skill cap wasn't super high. It wasn't like you had to make this quicker reaction like in the active time battle, right? You could take your time getting to know it. And once you realized you could pull in any party member at any time, it really opens it up for you. And it's so cool because it makes all your party members relevant instead of like just your favorites or whatever. The only other RPG I can think of that did that was Final Fantasy VI and VII kind of did it in a couple different parts. And Golden Sun Two does that really well mm-hmm. um, at a certain point. But the fact that your whole party was with you and relevant the entire time... That was one of my favorite things, and I thought the story was good. The love story wasn't, you know, it was anime. It wasn't anything to write home about, but, like, it wasn't the worst. It was, like, I'd say it was, like, marginally better than 8, maybe. And even 8's one of my less, I can't even say it. I still enjoy 8 as, like, and 10, as hokey as they might be. They're not bad. They're a little cheesy, but they're enjoyable the whole way through, you know? Um, I enjoyed the characters a lot. They had a lot of personality to them. Um, like there's funny little side things with Waka and Lulu that beyond just like, like, I don't know, that it feels real. I feel like they really know each other because like Lulu, what was it? Lulu dated Waka's brother, right? Yeah. And so there's this like connection with them as well and how they're handling sort of the same grief. There's like a lot of really interesting side stuff and, I didn't think the dungeons were as bad as Saul did. I I really liked this game. And I thought the sphere grid was a lot of fun to work through. Like, I'll be up front and tell you, I just did the really boring, just follow the path, whatever. But it was still cool, like, seeing what came next and, like, having that option and being able to, once you got powerful enough, to have uh, Titus start learning white magic and what that implies because mm-hmm. he's so fast and he can be available. Or, you know, having Oron learn some speed moves to where he's not just this turtle of a character um or having waka get to learn some of oran's like really crazy armor break malarkey oh it's yeah. kind of overpowered yeah um and having that attached to a character who can actually attack more than once in a millennium <laughs> um it was really good and i i really enjoyed the emotions it came with i enjoyed pretty much everything it did so so pretty much this is definitely a pretty pretty high mark as far as our experience in jrpgs we don't really uh we it's pretty clear we don't really agree with you know some of the ba- the backlash and the hate that it sort of gets yeah you know uh, we think it's good for many many different reasons and mm-hmm. and we see the reasons why people didn't quite you know get onto it or people still don't really quite get onto it as much mm-hmm. but it made a giant impact in the world of 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 RPGs and gaming in general and I mean, I think for good reason, you know, Titus and Waka appear in, uh, in kingdom hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, that's, that kind of says something right there. I think is that characters from, from seven, eight and 10 appear in, uh, in kingdom hearts. Like these are the characters you're going to recognize. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were put in there sort of for mass appeal, I guess mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. definitely the ones that everyone noticed and knows. So, so, I mean, I think that says anything, something about the game. I yep. really think, you know, there is an HD remastering out there. 
um, if you have the time, I mean, because this is a big game. Yeah. It is definitely big. I mean, if it was on the PS1, it would be a four-disker for sure. Yeah. Um, if we kind of meant to talk about this, but just didn't get on to it. How, man, it's hard to play through a JRPG nowadays it now really that we're is. old. Now like, that we're old and crusty, like it's and busy and, and crusty and but. crusty. <laughs> um it's it's you know, Dave and I have said several times for different games like, "Man, we should play that game again." Or, "Yeah, I should play that game again." I think I have several new save files on a lot of my favorite RPGs <laughs> of just like one hour of playthrough and then that's it, you know. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard. But I mean, when we were younger, that was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um I would say, I mean, I would still highly recommend this game. I mean, if you have the time, if you are willing to. If you're a young person actually listening to these old farts talk about. And if you, or even if you're an old fart like us, I guess. Like, if you have the, if you have the drive to want to commit. Get the gumption. Yeah, the gumption to want to try to finish out this really, really, I would call it a piece of art. Yeah. um, Then I, I would still very much recommend it. The music, the visual, the storytelling, the gameplay, all of it is there, and it's done really well. And, and if you're going to call something a work of art as far as gameplay goes in a very, very minuscule, in a very, like, um, how do I say, like... You want to appreciate the art and where this sort of medium came from. Yeah, and I'm also trying to say that those are like very like small ways of like saying that because, you know, I know you can definitely go deeper into that sort of rabbit hole. You know, it's all there and Mm -hmm. it's all very pleasing and it's all done very well. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Yep. So are we 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 good? I think we good. All righty. Well, thank you for listening to this (laughs) cast of pod. Why? What are you doing? Very much. What happened? Much thanks. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> okay. too. Danny Barrett Hoover. Okay. OC Remix. This is a reference to 10 that I'm not getting. Expert not novice sure. for music. Social media. Like, comment. Please yes. social our media. Social my media. Social, social my media, all please. We're on Facebook and YouTube. And you can officially... I cleaned out my Twitter, so... I wouldn't have reopened it so people could actually find me. Oh no, maybe I need to do the same. You can find me at Gamer Dave if you actually care. I probably won't tweet anything, but maybe you can tweet at me or something. You can find me at Big Surprise Starship 4. Oh, there Um, you go. That that account's not been active for about 10 years now. Yeah. Um, Whatever, call it. Anyways, on the real though, thanks for listening to this, and uh, we really hope to see you again on the next episode. Take care. We'll be right back.